0: Hey there, I'm Eric J. Olson. And I'm Kevin Daisy. You're listening to the Managing Partners Podcast, where we interview top lawyers about how they're growing their firms. Hey, everybody, this is Eric J. Olson. I am your host today for another episode of the Managing Partners Podcast. On this podcast, we interview America's top managing partners to find out how they're running their firms, how they're growing their firms, and how they are keeping their case pipeline full. And today, all the way from La Jolla, California, we have Diana, a judge. Hey, Diana.
1: Hello, Eric. How are
0: you? I'm doing great. Thanks so so much for making the time. It's noon where I'm at. It's 9 a.m., so this is the very beginning of your day. I appreciate it. Thanks so much.
1: My pleasure. Thank you for having me.
0: You got it. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your firm?
1: Sure. So I have a civil litigation firm. And I know everyone grows up wanting to be an attorney. That wasn't the case for me. I was at USC studying economics, actually. And I remember specifically, I took a Beatles course there. And uh, my friend at the time had told me his mother had a JD. And it was a dynamic degree. And I was like, fabulous. That's like three more years of school. I don't decide what I want to do yet. And I said, dynamic. That would give me options. So so I go to law school. And in the course of it, you know, I clerked for the public defender's office, family law, and then I eventually met my mentor who does civil litigation. And I knew uh, this is what I wanted to do. And so, um, so then go take the bar, picked up, moved to the Middle East right after I got my law degree. Cause I got, I was barred at 25. So I felt like, hey, I wish I had done a little bit more before I started my career. Um, went out there, worked out there for a little bit, came back. And after looking for a job for three weeks, people had reached out. And so, I guess without being young and naive, not knowing, I, just, I said, "You know what? Let's just start my own practice." It was the end goal anyway. I just didn't expect I would start right away. Yeah. And so, as of 2010, I've had a plaintiffs firm doing civil litigation. So now, this June, will be in practice for 12 years.
0: Good for you. That's really impressive. Thank you. I love like hearing those stories where like you, you actually had one plan. You wanted you wanted to get a job, and then it just wasn't happening. So it's like, well, I I could either just hope for the best and see what happens or just go make my own way. And that's what you did. And it's, it's worked out. It's been 11, 12 years now. And that's incredible that, you know, like, I don't even know what the percentage is of businesses that are open for 10 years, but it's probably definitely below 50%. I know that and probably more like 25%. So congratulations.
1: Thank you. Yeah. I think my, my mentor misled me. He said, Diana, the reason people don't open up law firms is because they have a problem drumming up business and you don't have, and I had already sent in quite a bit of clients during my law school years. Yeah. I think there's a little bit more to that, but yeah. <laughs>
0: Which, you know, I'm really glad that you brought that up because that is a uh, recurring topic on this podcast. It's actually the the purpose of the podcast is to share ideas about how managing partners and law firms are drumming up business. Because, you know, and then my next question is about how, how do you go about doing that? Because a lot of law firms rely exclusively and only on referrals, which are great. Everybody loves referrals. I love referrals. They're a great lead source. But, uh, but it's one of those things that is, it's very difficult to like generate the demand, especially when you need it. You're just kind of passively kicking back, hoping that these referrals come in. But what do you do to actively go out and get new business?
1: So it's, look, it's transitioned over the years. When I first started my practice, um, first of all, I couldn't handle really a decent case when I first started because I was just trying to learn everything. In that case, I was like co-counseling with a lot of other attorneys. At the time, I mean, I show up at their office saying, do you have anything? I'm running low. Mm-hmm. And, you know, thankfully. Um They helped, but um, so yeah, we have like the referral thing, but so when I first started my practice also, I didn't have a dollar to my name. So I, I knew this, these two attorneys, one did bankruptcy, the other one did criminal defense. And I said, you know, I'll answer phones for you in exchange to use your office space. Then as that relationship develops in close proximity, they start shifting me clients. Okay. But so, yeah. So initially, yeah, it starts off referrals, but you can't really rely on it because it's not stable and you don't know when it's coming in. And eventually what ended up happening unintentionally, the work I had done overseas, I had my contacts and then the least start sending me cases. You know, it would be, sometimes it'd be like, Diana, there's somebody getting a divorce in Connecticut. And I'm like, well, I'm sorry to hear it, but I can't help you. But then other times it would have been, hey, you know, they try to purchase Lot of land in the U.S. You know, we take it for granted here that if you have funds, you just easily could invest. But in other countries, they don't have that luxury, right? The cost of entry is a little bit higher. You need residency. You need certain things. So in that aspect, I mean, I was the only attorney they knew, and it was like a really weird investment because you have these foreign nationals—a weird niche because you have these foreign nationals doing investments here in the U.S. And so then I started getting that, and then also I became known as like the attorney who would take anything at some point because. I would have clients who would have sat in, maybe they got rejected by two or three other attorneys. One time there was a girl who told me, she's like, you're my sixth attorney, which I was like, you know, so humility, I guess. (laughs) But I would take these cases that other people wouldn't necessarily, one, see the value in or thought liability was too much of a, was too high to kind of overcome. So that was initially. Then um, for the past six years, about halfway through my practice, I started teaching. And then teaching changed things significantly. Um, Initially I had about, an audience of 30, 35 students each semester, and I'd be in person. So I would be, I'd cultivate a relationship with these students and they're older, you know, we we're doing this at night. So I met their children because their children would sometimes just come to class with them. And, and that ended up being a great way to get business. And then I started, I had a website. So then I had a marketing guy who came in and said, Diana, like, you need to po- start posting blogs about three years later, right? So this is about, what, three years ago. And I was like, what do you mean blogs? Like, what do you mean to write about? And he's like, well, what do you teach about? And so I debrief cases with my class. Like we look at real cases, real hypotheticals. And he's like, look, if you're breaking these down anyway, and you're going to lecture on it, just write something on it. And honestly, I mean, the first, like, I don't think I got a call for the first year and a half with like nothing, but I was doing it for the class. So I was like, fine, just post this stuff. And now after like three years, no, like he was right. I mean, it took long. I didn't do ad pay, you know? So it really was organically coming up in search en- engines. But now after three years, no, I mean, I get calls, I get the majority of my hourly stuff comes in through these blogs. So, and actually it's ironic that, you know, we're having this interview now because it's only now that I'm actually seeing the value of it. And so I'm now in the process of actually, okay, let's get somebody on board every month. He's doing something with the website, maybe now start investing in Google AdWords. And so this is something I'm actually looking at because I'm seeing it's actually reaped benefits.
0: I think that's great. Yeah. And and what's really interesting about that story is that you already had the content because you were teaching and it was really just a matter of repurposing it for the most part. I'm sure you had to rework it a little bit, but repurposing what you were already doing to create content for your website. And whenever you can repurpose, you should. And especially if you could figure out what it is that your ideal kinds of clients are looking for and then Teach that if you can, if the curriculum allows it, right? If you can change the curriculum, that would be even better. But basically gear everything that you do towards what your ideal client is looking for, then post it all over the place. Have you used that kind of content in other places besides just your blog, like maybe like LinkedIn or something like that?
1: Oh, yeah, I mean, there's, there's the plugin that I guess when the post goes to my LinkedIn, it goes to Facebook and stuff and Twitter. Yeah, so it, it does it in and of itself. I click about it, that does it.
0: Very cool. Hey there, this is Eric J. Olson, the CEO of ArrayLaw. If you're ready to work with a world-class digital marketing company, reach out. You can find us online at ArrayLaw.com or call us at any time, 757-333-3021. So far as your marketing goes, how are you currently handling that? You've mentioned you're writing blogs. You've mentioned that there is or was someone involved in helping you with the website. Yeah. Are you doing it all-in-house now, kind of a combination? or
1: well, I draft my own material. Um, there's a guy that posted but I mean, I kind of know how to post it, too. But I, we're just starting now to see, like, how are we going to integrate AdWords if we want. So, I mean, we meet. We talk every two weeks. But it's only new. Like, I don't think he's actually started any of it.
0: Okay. So. That's great.
1: And cool. to be honest, I'm really not tech. Like I'm not tech savvy, so quite frankly, if he could, uh, if he could do all of it, that would be ideal. I mean, I'll draft the content, send it to him, and yeah, yeah,
0: just have someone take care of all that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm totally with you. Well, cool. Is when it comes to something that's working especially well, would you say it's the blogs that that have really kind of taken off for you?
1: It's the blogs. Look, if I had more. I definitely see the potential of it. So again, like predominantly I'm drafting based on what I'm teaching, depending on the curriculum for that week. There's a certain area of law that maybe a lot of people don't necessarily do, like targeting foreign investors doing business here or target targeting like the susceptible plaintiff, right? Like you know, with, so there's really a direct thing that I like to do in practice. And now realizing that it is generating business, I could be better by being more specific on those topics specifically, but sometimes depending on what the class is, it doesn't lend for it. So yeah. So I de- if I was more specific with the topics, if I was more consistent with the exact topics that I want to bring in, I imagine it would be better. So that, that would be the shift of focus, but yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay, cool. And then uh, as a digital marketing agency, we're always actually interested in what used to work but no longer worked for you. Is there something that you could think of?
1: Yeah, there was. So um, I hired, look, the way I've gotten my best clients ever, it's always been relationship, right? And it's not relationships with other attorneys necessarily. I'm a local. I grew up in San Diego. Wonderful connections here. Um, Volunteer quite a bit. I'm active in like a a club. So through my activities... They've actually been the best source of referrals. So what I try to do, I try to actually like outsource that. There was a phenomenal lady who, dear friend of mine to this day, she has her own marketing firm. And I said, you know what? Get on board and why don't you start building those relationships on my behalf? It didn't work. You know, it didn't work because my stuff it's different the conversations that you have with your colleagues the conversations you have with your friends that stuff can't be necessarily I think unless I don't think that could be reciprocated through another we can't outsource that are,
0: are you talking about like a, a business development person that would go out in the community and represent your firm yeah. but kind of from a personal perspective too like like this is the person that represents exactly. your firm
1: yeah yeah so she and she had a history of doing marketing whether it's you know with with physicians with um So she would go out, you know, like reach to certain people and stuff like that. Just it was different, you know, when you're the face of it. And it's like, oh yeah, I know Diana. Getting a a third party in between that line, at least for me, it didn't work.
0: Yeah, basically a salesperson, right?
1: Yeah, and it's and by the way, it's not the necessarily most economical route to go. I just look. I'm a solo practitioner. Like I have several contract paralegals that I shift work out to, but it really is me. So what I really do want to focus on, it's I want smaller cases, higher value. You know, there I, I think. In this profession, you see that it thrives in one of two manners. You're either a practice that's operating on volume, and then at which case you're just squeezing really quickly whatever you can out of the lemon and tossing it. In Next case, next case. I think for me, it's not that, one, I have the ability to kind of really take time on it. Maybe it takes like a month or two, a little bit longer, but you've really, I'm like squeezing every ounce of liquid out of that lemon before I'm like tossing it out. Right. Or until you close out the case. So and I, that's what I enjoy because through that process, I'm like, I'm really working with my clients. You know, we're getting into the arguments in regards to liability. You're not only working with the clients itself, I'm like meeting their families. I know, I know my clients' spouses, their children, their colleagues, their, you know, especially now with COVID, like everyone will get on the Zoom and talk to me, which is great. So so, when I had hired the marketing lady, and to this day, actually, how I really do want to build my practice, I don't want necessarily higher in volume. I want more substantial cases. And when the smaller stuff do come in, I mean, there's wonderful referrals. There's tons of attorneys here in San Diego, many who have um, the capacity in house to really operate on volume, which is not where I'm necessarily headed.
0: Sure. Are there particular practice areas that you would want to focus on when it comes yeah. to like the high quality?
1: Yeah. So like the hourly stuff, actually, I got a great case this week. He found me on Google. This one's odd because it was more domestic investment, but he had thought he had bought a portion of a very profitable business and come to find out he didn't have ownership in it. And then basically half a million dollars was gone. Uh. So, norm the, the and this is another thing. So unfortunately with these, there's a lot of vetting because, you know, I have to hire a PI. I have to see if, hey, are we going to go after, is there something you're actually going to get recourse against? I mean, oftentimes the conversation is like, I'm really sorry this happened, but you didn't get has nothing. I'm sorry. Like, don't put good money after bad, you know? Thankfully, in this situation, after we did the investigation, no, there was stuff there. So he's kind of like the dream situation because it is the fraud, it's the deceit, it's the contract breach. It's like, I got you know, who struggled to save up his money and he did. And he was, you know, joining, like making an investment in something that he believed to be substantial and unfortunately, bamboozled, you know? Like, so one, it's, it's an honor to even just have these conversations with these guys because, you know, like they're ambitious, they're entrepreneurs, their energy is like kind of, uh, it's, it's nice, it's exciting and stuff like that. And then thankfully in this case, I'm looking at him like, no, no, I think we actually got something here. We can make this work. So this is like a dream case. If I could have like six, seven of these open at a time.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah. Nice. When you say that he found you through Google, w- w- are you running ads right now? Or was that like just one of the natural links?
1: No. But this, this is, no, because I asked him, I said, you know, where it's so like my blog, but I guess I was like on something like investor fraud, he told me this website, which I, I blew my mind. I didn't even know I was on there. I imagine one of my articles that I had drafted at some point got tied to this or got quoted. Some I don't know what happened. So that was isn't funny. that great? Oh, oh it that was, was well, you know That's great
0: because you know you kind of you, you kind of sprinkle the you know the magic all over the place, and sometimes you know if it's going to work. Sometimes you don't know, but it's, it's wonderful when just a year or so later. You know, an opportunity—a great opportunity—comes your way because of that.
1: Yeah, like I mean, yeah, it really is the ideal situation. And it's so funny how it's like that one conversation. And I mean, I wish, I wish Eric was still doing websites because I would have been like, hey, you know, he, he's not in the practice anymore. But he said, Jenna, you're doing it anyway. Just put it in writing. You're doing. Yeah. it. he's right. He's right.
0: Smart. Yeah. Yeah. That was a good move. Well, cool. We're running a little bit long. So, and I I want to respect your time. So we are going to kind of wrap things up here, but what is the best way for people to get in touch with you if they want to know more or they have a question for you or maybe a referral? Um,
1: So my website is probably the best way. So it's dianalegal.com, my first name, then legal.com. And then through that, you have links to all my social media, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn.
0: That was smart using your first name in the URL instead of your last name. Easy to pronounce? probably a little more difficult to actually spell out
1: look there's been a as a sole practitioner you a lot of it's trial and error and initially my domain name was like my last name and if mm-hmm. first of all say a judge it doesn't it doesn't it's not spelled like a judge it's like adj and yeah i wish i had thought of it earlier an easy domain name who would have thought very Danger. smart yeah <laughs>
0: All right. Great. Thanks so much. All right, everybody. If you would like to check out other episodes like this, our entire backlog is at arraylaw.com podcast. We have over 150 interviews just like this. Each one is organized by practice area and by state. So you can find exactly what you're looking for. And if you're looking for digital marketing for your law firm, please consider my company Array Digital. We specialize in website design, SEO, article writing, AdWords, and also social media. You can find more at ArrayLaw.com. Diana, thanks so much. Thank you so much, Eric. We've been recording this podcast free of charge for years. Hopefully you're getting amazing value out of it. We don't ask for much, but would you do us one favor? Would you tell just one person about this podcast? If you get any value whatsoever, all we ask, and we'd greatly appreciate it, is share the podcast with one person just like you.